Thank you for tuning in to the Elevate Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Johnson. This is episode 29. My guest this episode is the founder of the Professional Basketball Combine. He's the author and the speaker. This guy is full of passion and joy, and like me, he spent some time in the front offices in the NBA. His mission is to elevate and inspire people on their journey to achieving their own definition of success. You can see why I like him. He's a fellow elevator. Welcome to the podcast, Jake Kelfer. How are you, my man? Thank you for joining us. Man, thanks for having me. Pumped to be here. Good, good. Um, well, I know one thing we have in common is, is this elevator idea. I love it. Um, you have a book called Elevate Beyond, another one called Elevate Your Network. Both of them are linked up to this podcast, so check them out. Um, what is it you love about elevating others? Man, I, so I, I love the word elevate, and it's always been good, but it, it never was like, okay, when I write a book, it's going to be elevate. It was actually came to me because – I was trying to figure out how the heck to launch my first book, but I wanted a cool title and I didn't want it to be like, go get a job or the things they don't teach you in school, right? I didn't want it to be like that. And I was like, what am I really trying to do? And I must've spent hours in my parents' living room just talking. I'm like, what is the word? What is the word? And I, all of a sudden I said, elevate and like elevate beyond. And I was like, that's it. That's it. That's the word that is going to be it because it's intriguing, it's unique, but it's all about getting to the next level. And that's, and that's what it is. And so for me, Elevate since that point has been like a huge part of my life. And every interaction that I have, I want to elevate that interaction, whether it's meeting on a podcast and delivering value, whether it's seeing someone on the street and just wave it, whether it's meeting someone new at a bar and then having like the greatest night, like always elevating, always going to the next level um, in the pursuit of greatness. I love it. It definitely, uh, you know, we vibe, I vibe with that, I think, uh, as well. So what, uh, a little bit about your journey, what, uh, kind of drives you to do, do that work and really, you know, make elevating others really your career. So I, I have two great parents. I mean, I, I owe a lot of my success to them. Um, but they taught me early on to my mom specifically was like, always telling me to be my own man, to be my own man and to go after the things that I want. And my dad showed me what it meant to be a good husband and good father. And so I just, you know, felt so blessed to learn from them that I've always wanted to be that person for others. And so for me, uh, when you combine the fact that I had them as my role models growing up with this internal ambition that I have to, to want to be great and want to make a difference in this world, I've coupled that up into being able to do all the different things I've done, writing the books, speaking all over the world, helping college players turn their dreams of playing pro basketball into their reality. And so that's where the motivation comes from. Stems from, you know, my upbringing mixed with my interactions and my internal ambition to, to continue to, to be great. Awesome. You touched on the, the basketball. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, the professional basketball combine, how you've grown that, um, kind of the opportunities that have blossomed from it for you. The Pro Basketball Combine, aka the PBC, we call it the PBC, it was my way of getting back into the sports world after having worked for the Lakers, releasing my first book. Then I was like, I need to find a way to get back into sports because I still wanted to be an agent. And basically what it is, is it's 
an event that we host for 24 draft prospects. So players that have declared for the NBA draft for that upcoming draft. And we put them in front of different NBA executives, NBA scouts, national media, and have them perform scrimmage, do all the testing, the vertical jumps, the lateral agility, all that type of stuff um, in hope of getting them from where they're at to closer to getting drafted or getting them closer to signing their pro contract. And over the last three years, we've helped 70 plus players sign their first contract in over 31 countries across the globe which has been just the coolest thing to be a part of as a basketball guy. Yeah. Entrepreneurship and just making people's dreams come true. So it's been, it's been a whirlwind of adventure. That's awesome. What was your role with the Lakers? I was a corporate partnerships assistant. So the okay. first job I got when I graduated from USC. Okay. And now, now here's the cool thing about it. Two cool things. One, it was Kobe's last season. So it was unlike any season ever, unless it's like a championship season, right? For sure. But that was really cool. The other part of it that was so cool to me was like, I got to be the one that picked all the contestants for all the contests and for the, for the different brand partnership meet and greets. Yeah. So I got to pick people out. I was like, hey, come on, do this one. So I, it was just cool to be a part of the organization that I've loved since I was a kid. I mean, I spent more time watching Kobe Bryant on TV playing than almost any other human being outside of my family, right? Like, we watched all of the games and I, I loved the Lakers and I grew up with them. So to be able to work for them after the dream of playing for them disappeared, <laughs> that was a really cool way for it to all come full circle and, and work for the team. Very cool. That's uh, I, in my twenties worked for the White Sox and then the Nuggets here. So one of my, one of my buddies still works a similar role with you with the Nuggets. So, you know, gets to recruit some, some people for, you know, timeout entertainment, Yeah, <laughs> you know, so very cool. Um, through sports you touched on your parents um was there a coach in your life that kind of elevated you or, or kind of you know showed you a, a different way of living than maybe other coaches i've had a lot of coaches in my life um you know some in the version of paid some in the version of in-person mentors some in the version of legitimate coaches right um but there's one of my high school basketball coaches as was really influential on my life because when I was uh, going into my sophomore year, I had a chance to try out for the varsity team. Now, I was the smallest guy by far on the court at about 5'4", buck 20. Like, I was a tiny dude. And most people who I thought really supported me were kind of secretly wishing I didn't make the tryout, right? Wishing I, like, just stayed on JV so I could save myself the inevitable of me never making the team. But this coach continued to work with me, continued to, to push me. And then when I made the team and I, I became a starter – that coach continued to help me like find ways to get better and figure out how to, how to use my, my mental advantage versus other people's physical advantage. Because we were, I was guarding six, three guards. Right. And, and I was not developed. And these guys were seniors, just strong and like, and I was just getting beat up. And so he taught me these ways, but he kept my spirits up. And so he's played a big role in the way I see things um, from, from a mental toughness standpoint. Love that story. It's a good, uh, good story of just taking an athlete of where they're at and getting to where, helping them get to where they, they want to go yeah. with, with their tools. Um, obviously in your entrepreneurial journey, networking, you know, being in sports business too, you know, is a big thing, uh, in that world. Um, wrote a book about it. What's the biggest mistake you think people make? And then also for the student athletes that might be out there, whether you're high school or college, um, that are exploring kind of next phases that are maybe in or outside of the sports realm, what advice would you have for them this, this time and age? 
So one of the, I'll start with the, one of the biggest networking mistakes and then we'll kind of go into some of the advice. Um, I'll give a couple quick little mistakes that I, think, that I think people make. One of them is you're not intentional about how you're approaching your networking plan. Most people think, oh, I need to network. And then they say, okay, I'm just gonna reach out to whomever and whenever, right? And so one of the yeah. mistakes is that, look, we all have a limited amount of time. Why make it more complicated? So on the flip side to that, the advice to, to overcoming that mistake is be intentional about who you want to reach out to, what the result is that you're looking for, why you're reaching out to them, how you're going to reach out to them, and how much time you have to invest in that relationship. Another big mistake that people make is, even if their intentions are great, they are selfish in their mentality. Okay, and this is one of the things that a lot of people never want to admit about themselves. And I was this person too, because I thought I was doing all this great networking, but I was really just serving myself. Yeah. I was feeding my own ego of who I could get in touch with and what I could get from other people rather than figuring out how could I could help that relationship in the first place. And so the way to identify this, and in my book, Elevate Your Network, we call it the we versus me mentality. The me mentality person, and again, a lot of times when you have a me mentality, it's not saying that you're trying to be selfish or trying to be uh, manipulative or anything like that. Right, Because we're not trying to do that, but it naturally lends itself that way. Is yeah. to ask yourself these questions. If you're me mentality, say, what can you do for me? How can I use you to get to where I want to go? Right? You're thinking only of, oh, I want to meet them because they know this person, and that's the only reason I'm willing to do it. And you're only going to find the quickest way to getting that objective. Yeah. Where in a, a we mentality, it's what can we do for each other? How can we help each other get to where we want to go? And when you have that mentality, you're climbing the mountain with somebody else. You're finding ways to get in. You're getting deeper into the relationship. They're going to be more likely to share a case. They're higher the people that they know or, or suggest you for something else. If it's business or if it's playing time or whatever it is, right? For sure. So that's mentality. So um, that's a little bit of some of the mistakes. And then a little bit of like what you can actually do like right away to kind of frame your mindset. And then what I'd say to the, the student athlete, if you're in high school, if you're in college, I would say don't wait for the opportunities to network, right? And what I mean by that is if you're a high school uh, athlete and you want to play at the next level, don't wait for recruiters to come find you. It's okay. Like, like a lot of times athletes have the ego, right? Yeah. And we're like, oh, if they're, they're going to come to me. <laughs> well, don't, don't worry about that. They might have other people on the list. You may be in a town that just doesn't have the exposure that, that they're normally used to going to. Maybe you can't fit, they can't fit you in on their schedule, but you're, they're watching you. Yep. Right? You never know. And so what I'd say is like, go after, put a clip together, reach out to the, reach out to the athletic department, go visit the college that you want to go to, talk to the team. That type of initiative will show a coach that you're committed and dedicated. And that may be the advantage that you need to get to that next phase. Um, and then if you're a college person, college athlete, right? One of the things that like, I would really suggest is like, listen, be coachable. All of your coaches know other coaches. All of you, all, everything that yeah. you want to, to achieve, your people already know those people. Leverage those relationships. Be good with your coaches. Listen to them and then see where you can, where you can take those with a we mentality rather than just a me mentality. Definitely made a lot of those mistakes earlier in my 20s. And I think it's part of, like you said, the, uh, I thought I was being courageous to send an email to this person or to ask, you know, to muster up the ask, whatever it would have been with, you know, really learning later how to add some depth to that, you know, add value to that. How can I, you know, maybe it's not as much value as you're going to give me, but I'm willing to give you some. 
and I'm willing to share my time back. So um, great advice. Um, I think too, did you ever have people, I want to ask a question about the Lakers, be like, uh, how, you were so lucky to get that job. Oh, all the time. And, and you would, and I, so I'd have that too. At least for me, I'd be like, it wasn't, didn't feel like it was lucky. Like I took, I interviewed people that had jobs like that. I found out, you know, people like I always wanted to work in sports. Did you ever send your resume? No. Well, did you really want to work in sports? You never sent your resume once? <laughs> like, yeah, no, it's, it's crazy. I mean, and, and people think like, oh, if I send my resume to 5,000 places, I'm sure to get hired by, by some of them at least, right? Now, if you look at the Lakers job, I, there were thousands and thousands of applications that were submitted in, in the window that they opened it. Now, most of these sports teams specifically, they have to do that as a obligation, as a requirement. They have to make the posting public. But nine times out of 10, you're going to hire from an internal candidate or someone that is an internal referral, right? Yep. So you got to not only send your resume, but you got to find different avenues to getting there. And so like for me, this is a perfect example of what you're talking about, right? So I could have just sent in the resume. I literally put a list of every single NBA team that I wanted to work for together, starting with the Lakers, figured out every single division and department that I was interested in being a part of figured out who the employees were in that department, figured out, do I have a commonality with every single one of those people? And then started my outreach to get on an informational interview. The Lakers job, I didn't even know existed when I started doing this. I just wanted to build the relationship. And at the end of my initial call, she was like, hey, do you want to interview for this position next season? I was like, yeah, of course I do, right? Yeah. So that's not going the extra effort and just, just doing the things that other people aren't willing to do. Just like if you want to be a great athlete, do the things that other people aren't willing to do and do them better. Yeah. I think one of the things I've learned from asking people, they said they get a lot of resumes, make it look like a corporate business proposal. And I, and I remember I like dressed up, you know, I had a folder, you know, just so they like oh, big envelope, big envelopes get opened. Right. Yeah. <laughs> big envelopes always get open. Cause you think there's something besides the normal in there. Right. Yeah. Make it a pretty color and wow. It's an invite or something special. Right. Um, yeah. But I, you know, it was one of just those, those little things, but I networking taught me just, you know, how to get words in front of the right people. Um, great advice. Um, I know you're an avid reader as well, besides being a writer yourself, uh, during this time, any great books you read recently recommendations, uh, outside of of your own. (laughs) Yeah. Outside of my own, of course, I've read a lot of great books. Um, I read, I read a ton of books, a few that I've really enjoyed. I'm kind of looking over here and I have my whole bookshelf. Um, but a couple that I really love to read is Atomic Habits by James Clear, um, as well as Tiny Habits by B.J. Fogg, actually. Two really great habit books that are similar, but they definitely have some differences that like, make you think about, okay, which, which style might work better for me in terms of being willing to take those small actions that create the big results. So I love books on habits. Um, another book that I read, I, I read a lot of different biographies. So I've read the Bob Iger book. Um, it was the, the former CEO of Disney. That was really great. Um, and just a ton of other books. I, I mean, I have, I, I, I write them all down. And of course, now I can't remember all of them, but um, love reading. Those are some of the best books though, that I would definitely recommend. What a, it's a big thing. I Just one thing I know, I just the little and the more I learn about, about yourself is just that thirst for ongoing learning and education. I think it's so important whether you're a student athlete and you're moving into that next phase of your life. Uh, how do you value reading in your life? Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a great question. So for me, I, and, and as you're saying that, I was kind of like thinking like, 
in sports, you're always learning, right? And, and what you're learning, though, is how to be better at your craft, per se, right? And your mm -hmm. craft is that sport. So you're always trying to get better at that. If you're a coach, you read literature, you listen to literature that's going to be helpful to you becoming better at your work. Well, as an entrepreneur, I'm focused on reading literature that's going to help me get better. Book by Russell Brunson called Traffic Secrets, right? Books by biographies by people that have started successful businesses. So I value reading in the sense that it can expedite my path to greatness by consuming the best of information from people that have already done what I aim to do. And that nutshell is, is why I think reading is so important for me because I'm not trying to take the, the slow bus to the end, the end result. I'm trying to take the fast bus yet still also see everything on the journey to getting there. Right. right. Like this, yeah, is, yeah. this is, we're, we're amplifying. And as we say, we're elevating everything about our lives, but reading is a trigger and amplifier to getting to what we want to do. I saw a quote recently with something like you can bang your head around and try to think of all the ideas or you can open some books. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, you know, uh, that just kind of made me laugh. But, uh, um, I also know, you know, as you elevate others, this idea of, you know, people's definition of success. It's one of the things we always like to ask about on this podcast. Um, how do you view success for yourself? I view success. I kind of define it as the freedom to do what I want, when I want with who I want, and then to help others achieve their personal definition of success as well. Because I think we live in a society where we place um, our views on success in the wrong spots. We place, we, and, and for some people, it's the right spots, for some it's the wrong spots. But what I really think is important is that our definition of success is individualistic. Every one of us can have a different definition of success. And even if we want to do the same thing, the way we're going to get there will be different than the person to our left or to our right. And a lot of times we are chasing the fame, the status, the title, the wealth, because we think that's what is going to make us happy. We think that's what's going to make us successful, which then led, lends itself to us comparing ourselves to other people, which devalues our own individual success, which then leads to us feeling guilty if we're not working 18 hours a week, if we're not doing everything that everyone else is doing. And so I view success as defining it your own way, being clear on what success means in, in your big buckets of life, relationships, health, finance, career, charity, emotion, fitness, defining it very clearly for yourself and then getting laser focused on, on achieving that. And that's going to remove the comparison. It's going to remove the guilt. It's going to bring you more enjoyment. You're going to feel more gratitude along the process. And it's just going to be unbelievable journey um, because you'll be so much more free. No doubt. The, uh, the happiness part definitely, uh, I think, stems from, from some of that once you, you know your success target. For sure. A little bit. Um, last question we always like to ask, if you could hop in a DeLorean time machine, whatever gets you back to when you're 16 years old. Uh, from your journey, uh, from speaking, writing, uh, pro sports and all the things, what nugget of advice would you want to tell 16-year-old Jake to uh, – Remind yourself. I, I always love this question. I feel like I give a different answer every time. But, but I would give myself, you know. I, would I think give that's myself, okay because I was like, I needed a lot of vice at 16. Like, I, I get one. Like, I needed. So, but sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
So I was so future driven chasing the, the, the metrics of success that I wanted, right? Like I wanted to get in the USC. I wanted to be a sports agent. I wanted to make a lot of money. I wanted to buy a house, buy an island, then settle down, then start speaking, then giving back. I would tell my 16 year old self that there's going to be a lot of time to do everything that I want to do in this life, but to really focus on just having a good time. Play the game, get in the game of life, play the game, win as often as you can, figure out what you did wrong in the losses, enjoy yourself, and have a blast in the pursuit of greatness.